A reading of the scriptures from Jude, reading verse 11 of his letter. So uh, let us give attention to God's word here in Jude. Woe to them, for they walked in a way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. Uh, Most of us uh, are familiar with the reality that uh, there are consequences to virtually everything we do. Uh, And certainly there are spiritual consequences uh, to failure. And in the scriptures, there are times when that failure is terminal and eternal. Fatal and final. And so we are bid this morning to look at uh, the reality that we should learn from three men who failed tragically. And we should learn that there is a right way that ends well and a wrong way that does not end well at all. Uh, And all of this uh, brings us to uh, the point of uh, this entire epistle, and that is uh, that false teachers have come into the church. And to follow them uh, will not end well at all because they are linked uh, with three men from the Old Testament uh, who failed in a way that uh, is eternal and final. Uh, It's an important lesson for all of us in uh, the church today because uh, we are losing our sensitivity to fatal error uh, in the church, and that is profoundly dangerous. We've been seduced into thinking that uh, it's really not important uh, what you believe, just that you believe something. Uh, As long as you feel good about what you believe, uh, you're okay. Uh, But Jude reminds us, does he not, uh, uh, to earnestly contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And that to depart from that is a way of unprecedented danger. And to permit false teachers uh, to gain a foothold in the life of the church means uh, ultimately uh, the destruction, the spiritual destruction of the church. Uh, Jew begins with a a summary woe that is uh, pronounced with final uh, indictments based upon historic uh, examples, again, of three men. And of course, more importantly, the continuity uh, that these men bring into the church begins with Cain, a murderous Cain, uh, trafficking of Balaam, uh, and the ruin uh, brought by the rebellion of Korah. And again, the importance of these three men is that they uh, seek in a spiritual way to come into the church to perpetuate Uh, error uh, that is the way to ruin. Uh, The woe constitutes an intense lament on the failure of these three men, but more importantly, it's not just the failure of these three men. It's all who follow them in the wake of their destruction. 
uh, that people in the end time judgments will not be able to say, uh, I just followed a teacher at church. Uh, it's a reminder uh, of uh, the traffic that evil men bring into the church and who seek people to follow after them. Uh, of course, the woe is a, is a marker of terminal, terminal judgment uh, and a door that's closed forever. So the danger is uh, quite pronounced. Uh, eternal destiny is sealed uh, for men who follow in the wake of uh, these three men that are before us. It's a warning. Uh, Jude has given a pronounced warning for those who follow false teachers uh, because they will come to the same end that, that the false teachers will come to. Uh, and that is uh, quite clear uh, from the three men that are before us. Something of a parallel to this in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 13. Uh, when an angel uh, mid-heaven cries uh, three times, woe, woe, woe. It's an introduction to the last three trumpets and final judgment on the unrepentant. Uh, so again, it comes as a stark warning uh, to falsehood that gains an entrance to the life of the church. Be very careful, uh, Jude is uh, telling us. Uh, so we are looking at three men from the uh, Old Testament hall of shame. Uh, I, I'm reminded every day in our culture that we have a hall of fame for everything. Uh, I don't think our culture has a hall of shame, but the Bible does, and the church should. Uh, these men are types of false teachers. When I say that there are types, it means that we're dealing with indirect prophetic fulfillment. And that in the anti-types for our day, there is a reminder that there are failures that are final, of which there is no recovery whatsoever. It's the point of the warning that Jude gives to us. Be careful of the teachers that you follow. Because if you follow false ones, they will go into ruin and you will go to ruin with them. First, the false teachers uh, have, uh, have gone the way of Cain. And it's more pronounced than that, as you know. Uh, it's not just that the false teachers, it's that, that their followers have gone there as well. So what about Cain? Well, he rejected, uh, rejected God, and he rejected the offer of repentance. Repentance is... Uh, uh, essential in dealing with God. I suspect more often than not, we stare at us and say, what do I need to repent from? You know, that, that engages admitting that I've sinned, that I've done something wrong, that I've violated the Word of God, that I don't need to obey the Word of God. So what's the big deal with repentance? Well, that's why we study uh, Cain. Uh, the text says they have gone the way of Cain. Uh, I take the, the action of the verb uh, to the end that they have proceeded in his way. Uh, this was the beginning of their tragic course referred to as the way of Cain. And again, the false teachers are an analogy to this tragic man incredibly tragic man because of his uh, response 
uh, to the way of God. Uh, the allusion, of course, is to Genesis chapter 4, uh, verses 3 to 8. Uh, if you have your Old Testaments, I encourage you to turn to the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis. I'm going to read uh, verses 3 to 8. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance failed. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. And Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. So Cain presents an improper sacrifice that was rejected by God. You know, what would we say today? Well, he meant well. We gave it his best shot, didn't he? Didn't he have good, heartfelt sentiment to the way of God? It's irrelevant. God rejected his offering from the fruit of the ground because there is no atonement in such an offering. And because uh, he's rejected by God, he becomes angry at God and refuses the divine counsel to repent. He also becomes so envious and jealous of his brother Abel that he kills him. Hatred for God, hatred for his brother. It's our reminder today that when you go and you proceed in that way, that false teachers hate and reject the truth and the followers of the truth. So, as an application, we need to be very careful in the Christian community about running a popularity contest because it's irrelevant. We have but one divine person to please, the everlasting God. And when false teachers come into the church and overthrow the church, we must recognize that they hate the truth and they hate those that believe it. And to court their popularity is the way of Cain, an incredible danger. It's well worth remembering that false teaching is an expression of extreme hatred because if followed, it will kill the soul. There's something of this, is there not, in the words of our Savior, uh, Matthew uh, chapter 10, uh, in the 28th verse. Our word gives, gives us a, a warning. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It's a reminder, of course, implicitly, that there is something more than popularity in this world. Uh, seeking the blessings of false teachers, of uh, getting along to go along, courting error and of saying it's really not that important. As long as you mean well, it's okay. The Lord is reminding us uh, that God uh, 
can and will cast the soul into everlasting ruin uh, from which there is no recovery whatsoever. Uh, we have this notion that's uh, becoming more and more entrenched in our culture that uh, you can make your own way. But it is our reminder that it is uh, only the way of God that we must court and follow and zealously seek. Uh, in our culture, everyone may have their own way, but God has His, and only His way counts. It's the point, again, of, of uh, verse 3 and 4 of our text, to earnestly contend for the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. Because if you depart from that, you will end up in a very bad way, to be sure. It's a good uh, application to that in uh, the words of uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, in verse 15. So then, brethren, stand firm. Hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us to stand firm and hold to the Scriptures. The judgment that befalls uh, Cain, of course, is a banishment uh, from the presence of God. Uh, again, returning to uh, the book of Genesis in the fourth chapter, uh, reading uh, two more verses. Uh, verse 12 when you cultivate the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. You shall be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. And then verse 16, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. He withdraws from the presence of God, the way of God. He rejects the way of God in the presence of God. The intensification of the judgment today, again, is eternal separation from God. Now, I understand that uh, there's always disagreements in churches and denominations. Uh, some hold to believer baptism, some are paedo-baptists. Uh, when it comes to core essentials of the faith, uh, you need to be extremely careful about going along to get along with our culture uh, because it marks you as a person who stands in the way of Cain who was marked for eternal ruin and driven from the presence of God, everlasting separation from which there is no recovery. It will not end well for those who follow false teachers. Remember a number of years ago, several decades ago, uh, the World Council of Churches uh, had a convocation in uh, Australia. And they began their convocation with a, a pagan ceremony of cleansing. They burned leaves so that people could walk through the smoke. It's kind of like Cain bringing a sacrifice from the fruit of the ground. We're not cleansed by smoke. instructive to me that uh, at that time, uh, the biggest uh, contributor to the World Council of Churches uh, was the Presbyterian Church of USA. 
at one time, one of the great denominations in American history, but long since left its moorings of the truth to promote error. So it's, uh, it's good to remind her that, uh, good to remember that there is a false teaching that takes hold and brings incredible destruction for those who follow in such a way. So it's essential that we understand that the way of false teachers and their wake is in contrast to the way of God. And we must understand that. And we must stand firm to the way of God regardless of how we're perceived by the world. And certainly by churches that have gone astray. Something of... Uh, of this in uh, the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, people are told to put a false teacher to death. That's, that uh, prescription doesn't come into the New Testament. Uh, we don't put false teachers to death, but we give them a wide berth. Uh, the reason uh, Moses gives this uh, law is because the false teachers will turn the hearts of the people away from God. And so we must extrapolate in our culture, while it's not a capital crime to be a false teacher, uh, we must recognize that they seek to turn people from the way of God to eternal ruin, which leads to eternal death. A wise man... Proverbs chapter 4 and verses 26 and 27. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. That there are minor disagreements, I think, secondary issues in the life of churches and denominations. Uh, but in terms of the gospel, once for all delivered to the saints, uh, we cannot turn to the right or to the left. Regardless of what the church says, regardless of what our culture says, we must stand firm to the truths of Scripture that are essential uh, because they are the very life of the church. Uh, something of this uh, obviously uh, uh, encompasses the very, very gospel itself. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 19 to 23. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place. Not by pagan rituals, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. By a new and living way, which He inaugurated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. It's very interesting to me that the author of the book of Hebrews is warning people who are considering defecting 
from the only way to God, the blood of Jesus Christ. The very fact that decades ago the World Council of Churches began a convocation with a pagan cleansing ritual means there's a lot of trouble in many churches. Illustration again from Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. We give our hearts to the Scripture so that we can be sure that we're on the right path in the right way. Troublesome that uh, many churches are adopting a low view of Scripture. Uh, making us the final authority as to what inspired and as to what should be accepted. That's the way to incredible ruin. Another uh, reminder, the wise man, uh, book of the Proverbs, uh, chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 5 and 6, is a good reminder of the attitude uh, in which our hearts uh, should take. For again, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. So it's a wise man giving us incredible counsel. Uh, we in our culture lean way too much on our own understanding. It's the way to incredible peril and danger. It's the wrong way that will not end well. The second man from the Hall of Shame is Balaam. Balaam uh, was a seducer. Uh, the false teachers uh, have for hire rushed uh, headlong into the error of this man, the great seducer. There, there are two issues uh, regarding Balaam uh, profiting from false teaching uh, and content of false teaching. Uh, you know, for example, uh, I would commend to you the great reality uh, that the doctrine of justification by grace through faith is absolutely essential in the life of the church. You defect from that. Uh, you've rejected the great content of, of uh, the Scriptures. But it's also important to recognize that uh, we as a Christian body of believers are to persevere in the faith. And that uh, in the greatness of God, the Lord Jesus Christ has dispatched the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. Uh, you vacate those doctrines. You are in a bad way that will not end well. I sometimes kind of wonder if the doctrine of perseverance is even taught in churches today. But again, the dynamic reality that the Spirit begins a work in our hearts and will continue that work till the coming of Christ. God recovering His people 
And to reject these great doctrines, again, is to uh, rush uh, headlong into the shame of Balaam. Uh, the word error, the error of Balaam, uh, can also be understood uh, uh, in the sense of wandering from the right, from the right way. It's the path of danger. The illusion, uh, Old Testament illusion, is to a large portion of the book of uh, Numbers, chapters 22 to 25. Uh, Balak, the king of Moab, hires this false prophet to curse the children of Israel. Uh, God comes to him and intervenes and tells him not to curse Israel, uh, but rather to bless them. However, through subtlety, he advises and sets the stage for the men of Israel to be tempted by Moabite women to engage in immorality and idolatry. Which, of course, will lead uh, to the judgment of God. Uh, one of the apocryphal works of the Old Testament does not come into uh, our canon of Scripture, but nonetheless, it's historically instructive. Uh, writes that uh, uh, he brought naked Moabite women uh, with precious stones uh, on their bodies to tempt the Israelite men. And they succeeded. Uh, reminded of the words of one of the greatest of the men of the scriptures, uh, Noah, um, pardon me, Moses, uh, that he united himself, of course, uh, with uh, uh, the children of Israel and uh, chose to suffer ill treatment with the people of God rather to engage in the passing pleasures of sin. Uh, the particular allusion, I think, is to uh, Numbers chapter 25, uh, verses uh, 1 to 3. While Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. For they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor, and the Lord was angry. Israel. Uh, chapter 31, uh, verse 16. Behold, these caused the sons of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, so the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. So his counsel and intent was to seduce the people to bring judgment upon them. And this fits well with the counsel of the antinomians, of which Jude is opposing. Again, parse the word antinomians against the law. Choose however way you want to live. As long as you're happy and pleased with yourself, you'll be okay. It's modern-day antinomianism. Make your own rules. Press your intent upon Holy Scripture. It's not important what you believe, just that you believe. The, the antinomians teach that vices are permissible. 
It's interesting that uh, John the Apostle alludes to this event in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 14. The text is a warning, but I have a few things against you because you have there some who hold to the teaching of Balaam. What's instructive about that phrase? It means that Balaam continues in terms of what he's intending to do in the life of the church. Not physically, but spiritually. Enters the church who hold to the teaching of Balaam who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrifice to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. Again, the point of uh, the false teachers is that they will ruin the people and destroy them. Our reminder is that the key is repentance. Uh, false teaching comes into the life of the church, and it uh, uh, presents the fact that there are uh, immorality is permissible can be acceptable. Or just turn a blind eye to it and pretend it doesn't exist. If you look at Revelation chapter 2 and verse 16, Repent therefore, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. It's interesting that in Numbers chapter 31 and verse 8, Balaam was killed by the sword. And so... Uh, will all people who traffic in error to seduce the people of God. And the danger of what it means to follow men that are false, or to turn a blind eye to it, pretend it doesn't exist. The eating, of course, is a reference to participating in the worship of the gods of the trade guilds. A Christian cannot engage in idolatry. There was also immorality practiced at these I call them communion services. It's good for us to remember that idolatry is spiritual adultery. And again, the false teachers were saying, well, it's permissible. It's okay for you to do that. Uh, I mean, you must be in good stead with your union. I mean, a man's got to live, doesn't he? No, a man has to die and give an account to God. That's what a man has to do. He doesn't have to live, but he does have to die and stand before God and give an account. It's a great application of this. Uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 5 to 7. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and God. And let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. Notice verse 6, deception by empty words. False teachers leading people astray, deceiving them with words that are false. point is that there are some things that are not permissible at all in the life of the church. I, I remind you of something that you already know. Immorality is epidemic in our culture and must be denied entrance into the church unless there is confession and repentance. 
and that we must always be on our guard uh, for people physically and spiritually have been sent to seduce us. And so we must use the Scriptures to make sure our path is right, that our way will end in glory. The third member of the Hall of Shame, uh, Jude 11, is Korah, uh, who rejects authority. Uh, and uh, the false teachers will perish in the rebellion of Korah. It's really an affirmation of future fulfillment. It's really a prophecy. But Jude is affirming that the prophecy is so sure and certain, he speaks of it as having already occurred. The allusion, again, Old Testament, uh, Numbers uh, chapter 16 uh, in verses 1 to 3. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi. Notice the son of Levi. He was a Levite. He was in the community of teachers who were to teach Israel the law and the way of God. So he has all, if you will, the external entrapments of being a true teacher, but he's false. With Datham and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the sons of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took action. And they rose up before Moses together with some of the sons of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, chosen in the assembly, men of renown. And they assembled together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You've gone far enough, for all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is in their midst. Why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? It's very noteworthy that he was a Levite. You destroy the teachers, and they will destroy the church. He rebels against God-given authority of Moses and Aaron. Essentially, he's rebelling, rejecting the authority of God. Uh, it's very, very interesting that uh, uh, the word rebellion is, is literally, can also be understood as a dispute. Uh, more literally, and again, we don't uh, oftentimes uh, follow the literalness, if you will, of a word, but it's literally against the word. Well, you go against the Word. You're, you're rebelling against God. It's very important because much of the church today holds that historic orthodoxy is anachronistic. Furthermore, we little teach doctrine, uh, which is a recipe for incredible disaster. Uh, reminder that uh, the right way is, uh, is critical. Uh, I love... Uh, Reminder comes to us in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 5, in verses 32, 33. So you shall observe to do just as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. 
You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you. Sometimes kind of wondering if many people aren't turning to the right or to the left and getting people to follow them. And to follow a false teacher is incredibly and profoundly dangerous. Regardless of whether it's a church or regardless of the name or the denomination. Well, God answers, as we can well expect, the rebellion of, uh, of Korah. Uh, Numbers uh, chapter 16. Uh, in verses 31 to 35. I mean, really, who is, who is Moses to be authoritative? Who is Jesus to be authoritative? And those people were long ago and far away. Can't we just make our own? As long as we uh, uh, have a good heart, uh, as long as we just believe, uh, as long as we have perhaps good motives, isn't that okay? Well, let's, let's read what happens to the rebels. Numbers chapter 16, verses 31 to 35. Then it came about as he finished speaking all these words that the ground that was under them split open and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions. And so they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol and the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled at their outcry, for they said, The earth may swallow us up. Fire also came forth, and the Lord consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. Just a reminder that if you go into the hall of shame and embrace their teachings, it will not end well with you. Very instructive that John, again, the book of the Revelation, alludes to this event because he uses the same subject and the verbs to open and to swallow. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 16. The serpent contextually is pouring uh, out water like a river out of its mouth uh, after the uh, godly community to sweep her away by deception. Uh, and God protects His own. The protection is uh, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 16. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of its mouth. It's a parallel to the earth opening up in numbers and swallowing the men who rebelled against Moses and Aaron because they rebelled against God. Again, same subject and same verbs of open and swallow. The intensity, of course, is that Satan is the ultimate false teacher, energizing his followers, and he opens a floodgate to sweep the church away. But God helps His godly people. 
The allusion is also, uh, I think, to Exodus, uh, the Exodus event where Pharaoh was driving Israel to their doom in the Red Sea. And God makes a way through the sea. And here God causes the earth to swallow the deception to protect His Messianic community. And of course, the lesson is that hell will swallow the false teachers. But it's even worse. Also, swallow their followers. So warning. It matters who you follow. It matters who comes into the church, what they teach. And it matters incredibly if they change the truth of the Scriptures and engage in such nonsense as a pagan cleansing ceremony in the churches who support the same. It matters because it will not end well. And so Jude, of course, is, uh, is warning us. It's interesting that in my own mind there may be a sad progression to these verbs. They start in the way of Cain. That's how they begin. They progress in the way of Balaam. And their doom will be consummated. The graves will swallow them and lead them to a ruin from which there is no recovery whatsoever. Reminded of Psalm 1. Great progression of the verbs to walk or to stand or sit in the way of the ungodly. There is a progression of error, hatred of the way of God, deception in the life of the church that leads to sin because it's permissible. Or we just turn a blind eye to it and pretend it's not there. And of course, rejection of authority. Uh, God constitutes uh, the authority of His Word and of men who hold it dear. It's the way that will end well. And again, the text is a solemn warning to get away as fast as you can from false teachers. But that presumes you know what's true. So it engages us uh, to study that we might show ourselves uh, approved of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's a great reminder, again, from this wise man, book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 25. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Many, many people think they have a right way. They give no caution to the truth of the Scripture. The Word of God is not a light to them to show them the way. And it will end very, very badly for them. And that's the point of the hall of shame from these three men and their continuing legacy in the life of the church. It's another reminder that's perhaps more profound and pristine, majestic beauty. The words of our Savior, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through me. It's the beginning point. Christ is the only way. It's the truth. He's the life. 
Uh, if you're not a Christian, learn from the hall of shame. If you are a Christian, Give your heart and devotion to the scripture in following constituted authority derived from the inspired words of the living God. Hold fast to Jesus Christ in an age in which seemingly everyone is turning away. And it will end well with you in eternal life. And may God give our hearts to Christ, who's the way, the truth, and the life, who alone can seal us and protect us from danger and ruin, and to continue in that way, regardless of the way of the world. And may God bless us richly to that end.